Acts chapter 1. Now, often you'll see, uh, maybe in the sermon title, or or I'll tell you about it, uh, this is like part one of of two parts, or part one of three parts, or something like this. This is part one, but part two is not next Sunday, part two is tonight. Okay? So, if you walk away going, well, that was nice, I didn't quite get the fulfillment, it's because you have to come back tonight. Okay, uh, now this is not a conspiracy, but this is providence, uh, as it just happens that uh, this was on the, the, the schedule, uh, this passage, and understanding of what it means to bear witness. Um, and as Dan and I uh, were traveling uh, on Friday, and, and I was talking about this, he said, well, man, that just goes perfectly with Sunday night. And I'm like, well, why, why wouldn't it? Okay, and then what God is doing, and, and I thought... I worried about this for nothing because God has got this under control. So part two is tonight, okay? So uh, that doesn't mean you have to be there, but I wouldn't miss it if I were you, okay? So let's stand and look at Acts chapter 1. Understand as we uh, look here at Acts, this is the the beginning of the, the movement of the church, and you can take all of... Uh, New Testament history pretty much in the epistles and lay them on top of Acts as as historic markers. And here we are in the first chapter dealing with uh, what is the uh, ascension and the task of what Jesus assigns his disciples. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, open our eyes to your word today. Give us this understanding that we can get on our own. Give us the understanding that only comes through you that enlivens us, that fills us, that moves us to action so that we might be your witnesses throughout the world. We might be your witnesses across the fence in the backyard. Open our eyes to your word, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. So Acts chapter 1, and um, I'll read 6 through 8. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, Samaria, to the end of the earth. This is God's inspired word for us today. So please be seated. The command here... You'll be my witnesses. It's not a command. It's a statement of fact. It's like you are salt and you are light. That's not a command to be salt and to be light. You are salt. You are light. You are a witness. So this is not just to those who are gathered in front of him, but it's to every believer because every Christian is a witness to the power of God. Every Christian, everyone who has been changed by God's saving grace is the recipient of a miracle. Not something miraculous. You know, you can stand, sit in the delivery room. They, they made me sit, you know, in case I passed out. Um, and, and watch the birth of your child. And you go, wow, that's not a miracle. Because it happens all the time. That's miraculous, yeah. But a miracle is when, the God, when God comes in a supernatural fashion and interjects himself into this world. There's Randy, an enemy of God 
lost in my sin, not seeking after God in any fashion, and the Lord comes and changes my heart and draws me unto himself. That is the miracle of salvation. We all who are believers have experienced that firsthand, and we can witness to its validity. We can witness to its validity. It is a reality in my life. It forms the lens through which I understand the world, through which I see the world and the workings out of the Lord. It is toward the likeness of of Christ that I strive, although, however, imperfectly. Um, Witnessing to this reality does not require me to memorize the Roman road. It might help. It does not require learning the four spiritual laws. It might help. It does not require me to go and get advanced theological degrees. They may not always help. Okay. The apostles preached what they knew. What they knew to be true. What they had seen, what they had heard, and what they had touched with their own hands. They declared these things to be true. Paul said, I preach Christ and him crucified. Yes, Paul filled his letters with a lot of deep theological understanding and and points and things like that, often complex in what he taught. But most importantly, he and the other apostles presented what they knew from their time with Jesus. And that's what changed the world. Spirit-empowered witnessing about who Jesus is. That's what changed the world. They saw him and they saw him come out of the grave. So we need to understand, as as I'm going to draw a distinction here, the difference between witnessing, which is a broad category, and evangelism, which is a subset, a subcategory of witnessing. Biblically speaking, the task of bearing witness is to make visible that which is invisible. Prove to me God exists. Well, there's the ontological argument and the cosmological argument and the teleological argument. There's the argument about, uh, there's all kinds of arguments, how about that? But those are, to some degree, philosophical. They are kind of out there. Yes, in logic you can come to some conclusion. Romans 1 says all you have to do is look outside and you are without excuse because you can see from the created world that God exists. But our job as believers is to take that which is invisible and make it visible. And how do we make it visible? We make it visible in our lives. We are the hands and feet of the Lord. We are the ones who witness to the reality of what has happened in our own lives by what we do and by what we say. We bear witness to God. We make him visible by testifying to the fact of what he has done here in my life. So bearing witness to the reality of God and his kingdom and all he is doing here in this world is is basically, it it includes telling the story about Jesus and telling the story of what he has done, who he was, what he has done here. And when we move to the call to repentance and belief, now we move into the world of evangelism. Witnessing is simply demonstrating in all that we do and say who Christ is in our lives. When we call, in a sense, good Presbyterians, we call for the question. You know, in a a meeting, when we're ready to get on with it, we call for the question. Well, evangelism calls for the question. What will you do with this man named Christ? 
Okay, and if you were here yesterday, that's what the, the theme was for Sandy's funeral, because she had wrote it in the Bible. This is the question for each of us are faced with. Who do you say that Christ is? That's what we have to answer. So we love to show to other believers, the love we show to other believers is a one aspect of witnessing, telling our story of what Christ has done. Um, do you remember when you came to Christ? Well, some of us grew up in the church, and, and it was when we were six years old. Or some of us grew up of, of always in, a, in the church and our uh, Christian families, and maybe we don't have a road to Damascus uh, story like Paul does when he's on the way to kill me some more Christians, and the Lord strikes him blind and keeps him blind for three days and changes his whole world. Other of us have some sort of that. We weren't looking for God, but he certainly was looking for us. Um, you know, we might think in human terms, well, Paul's story is really dramatic. I wish I had one of those stories to tell. You know, and I was a drunken in the gutter, and, and the Lord came and saved me, and now I'm, you know, this. Salvation is salvation. It's miraculous whether you were a drunk in the gutter, whether you were a teenager, uh, drinking or whether you had grown up in the church all your life and knew Christ from as soon as you could speak. That is salvation. That is the miracle of salvation. So we will all be witnesses to Christ in his kingdom. There's no doubt. And that's what Jesus is saying here. You will be witnesses. We will be good witnesses or we'll be bad witnesses. And if we're good witnesses, our lives will point others to Christ. If we're bad witnesses, our lives will point others to, to us. Okay? And, and, and if we're not living like Christ, that's not the way we want to witness. You and I will show Christ or we will show ourselves. That's just simply the way that it is. Luke uses this term for witness, martoro, 12 more times to describe the bearing, uh, our responsibility to bear witness, to demonstrate this. And if we look through the New Testament we're going to see the word uh, martorio is translated as witnesses, witness, testimony, testify, record, report, evidence, at, attest, and attestation. That's how it is translated. So the distinction between witnessing and evangelism, remember evangelism is a subset of witnessing, giving our testimony on how God saved us, how he's working in our daily lives, this is a good thing. We all ought to know that. We all ought to be able to get on an elevator with somebody, and, and, and if they look at us and go, why are you so happy today? Oh, let me tell you what the Lord's doing in my life. Let me tell you how he's changed my life. You're witnessing to that reality, to that reality. Living holy lives is the expectation of believers. We witness to the reality of Christ by how we live. People are drawn to Christ by how we live. So the word witness, or some form of it, appears over a hundred times in the Bible. You might be shocked to know that evangelize, or evangelism, isn't listed once in the New Testament. Evangelist, or its plural, is listed. Okay? Now, if you understand, in, in Ephesians, you have the, the, the office which people are called to, you have the uh, office of apostle and uh, prophet and teacher and preacher and evangelist. Even within the church, if you want to be ordained, you can be ordained as an evangelist. James Daniels, as an example, when he went to plant down in Chelsea, was ordained as an evangelist because there was no church to be 
uh, to go to, he had to go to as one to plant a church. When Paul, in Acts 26, writes this, To this day I have had the help that comes from God, and so I stand here testifying, both to small and great, saying nothing but what the prophets and Moses said would come to pass, that Christ must suffer, and that by being the first to rise from the dead, he would proclaim light both to our people and to the Gentiles. So this is Paul's witness here in Acts 26. Christ would suffer. He's going to be the first to rise from the dead. He's going to be a light to the Jews. He's going to be a light to the Gentiles. When we talk about personal evangelism in today's world, we're not really talking so much about being a witness, uh, but more of presenting the truth of God's way that will end with a question. Okay. Now, it may take you five, six seven interactions with people before you get to that question. It may take you two years before you get to that question. Okay? But to evangelize means to call to repentance, call to belief and faith in Christ. The uh, Lord Jesus said, today is the day of salvation. Okay? So he was, not, um, he, he, he was not concerned about not asking a question. Uh, you know, if you go uh, the classic evangelism courses like E.E., uh, end with, and is there any reason why today you can't believe this? Or if you should die today, why would God let you into his heaven? Uh, those are questions which cause us to think and are charge, charging us uh, to, to look at Christ. Christ just said today, believe. That was his command. Believe today. Believe right now. There's really no little, there's very little emphasis in the epistles for believers to go out in in evangelistic, that, that every believer is an evangelist. There's very little evidence about that. Because I've never saved anybody's soul. Now, should you be an evangelist? You should. Why? Because Peter makes it very clear. Always be ready to give a reason for the hope that lies within, with gentleness and compassion. <clears throat> Excuse me. There are evangelists. Billy Graham was an evangelist. He had that gift. There are people that we know probably that, that you can't have a conversation with them, that they're not leading that person to that point of question. Okay? And then there are other of us who, who just don't have that type of personality, or we might, I'm not going to say gift, we just don't have that type of personality, where we might sit and talk a long time, and it's not until somebody says, well, why are we meeting like this? Okay, remember last week? And James, that Indian man who's come to James's driveway again and again, finally said, <clears throat> why are you doing this? Are you, you going to preach? James said, no. Are you going to take up an offering? No. Well, what, at halftime, is there going to be some gospel presentation? James says, no. And he says, why are you doing this? And James said, well, how do you feel when you come in the midst of this fellowship? You feel like a regular human? You feel like you're loved and cared for? said, yeah. James said, that's why we're doing it. And then he went on to describe those three guys who said, I'm going to come watch football in your driveway, but I'm never going to come to church. And now all three go to church. Okay. So we have to understand this. That's part of the witnessing. There's a great emphasis in the New Testament on every believer overcoming sin, on every believer growing in Christ, 
and every believer demonstrating and witnessing to the power of Christ by their holy living. Are you always ready to give a reason for the hope that lies within? I sure hope you are. How's your life? Is it living in righteousness? Is it living in holiness? Are you witnessing to the reality of Christ by your behavior? Every believer is a witness to Christ by the way in which we live. Now we all, we all, sorry, those of us who are at least my age can remember walking through the airports when you could still go back to the gates. And remember those guys who sit there in the airports with flowers or um, maybe the bus station and usually they had their head shaved and they were affectionately known as the Moonies, okay, followers of Reverend Sun Young Moon. And I read a little bit more about them uh, this week, and one of their introduction lines, if, if they found you walking by yourself and you seemed a little bit lost, they would come to you and say, do you want to make the world a better place? Okay. And they would befriend them and take them in, and then once they're in, it's Moonies are a cult, okay? and once they were in, then they would find out what they had to do. And one guy was talking about, he said, I had to go out and I had to come back each day with $100, or I didn't get to sleep that night. Okay, And when I became a supervisor, and I'm supervising all these other young budding moonies um, to go out and to beg for $100 or bring back an, a convert with them, and if they didn't sleep that night, well, who was there to keep them awake all night? Well, it had to be me, so I had to stay up all night with them. And he said, and, 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 and he goes on to tell the story, I'm, I'm in the bus station one day, and, and I finally just fell right over because I'd been three days. We, we didn't make our quota for three days, and I didn't get any sleep. That's not evangelism. Okay, that's conjoling. Uh, that's convincing people by our own means. I've never saved anybody. Okay? And I've, I've done the Roman, I can do the Roman road. I've done the four spiritual laws. I've done all of those types of things, but I have never saved anyone. Who saves us? Christ. That's the only one. Who are we? We are the hands. We are the feet. We are the mouths. How will they know unless they hear it? Okay? How will they know the reality of God in this world unless they see it? And where are they going to see it? In our lives. As we witness to the reality of Jesus Christ. Let's look in John chapter 1. I'm just going to read it to you here. Or 1 John chapter 1. In fact, let's turn there if you have your Bible. 1 John chapter 1. Remember, we went through 1 John not long ago. Here in the first chapter, right at the very beginning, this is John talking about the reality of Christ and witnessing to that reality. Chapter 1, verse 1 of the first letter of John. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life, the life was made manifest and we have seen it and testified to it, that's witness, and proclaimed to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you, 
that you too may have fellowship with us, and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be made complete. So what is he witnessing to? That which was from the beginning, and these three things in particular. What I've seen, what I've heard, what I have touched. You go to a court of law, and if you sit in the witness stand, and somebody and, and they ask you a question... And you say, well, I heard Randy, Randy told me. Okay, what is that? That's hearsay. Okay, I saw it. I touched it. I heard from his lips. This is the truth. This is the reality in which I live. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now you can tell others about what you have seen, what you have heard. You can't be everywhere and sometimes you trust people's witness or testimony about things and and we're full of stories about what our friends did you know because we never did those wild things but our friends did those things what did i touch what did i see what did i hear what happened in my life what did christ do that's what we witness too and that's what the apostles did they went everywhere they went to judea samaria and the ends of the earth and told everybody what they had seen and heard and touched you can bear witness to what you've experienced from god that's what scripture says you can behave righteously as you grow in the lord bearing witness to the fact that knowing jesus has changed your life and therefore your behavior that's what scripture says when people ask you concerning the hope that it was within you what do you do you give them the reason with gentleness and compassion As far as I can tell, the apostles never used the four spiritual laws. Not bad things. They just said what Christ had done. They just said what he had done in their lives. They just testified to the reality of what took place. They didn't just stop and say, yeah, I saw him alive. And and after he was crucified, he was raised on the third day. They just didn't stop there. But they preached about that resurrection. They preached about the consequences in their own lives because of the risen Christ. They were bearing witness to what they had seen and heard. And that witness changed the world. Changed the world. We're called to spread the gospel of Christ. We're called to live the gospel of Christ. We're called to be ready to respond when people ask. What's the proof of the empty tomb? Think about that for a moment. Yes, we can, we can talk about all those things from Scripture, but what is the real proof in today's world that Christ came out of that grave? It's us. It's holy living. It is righteousness demonstrated by those whose lives have been changed. If we live just like the rest of the world, what proof does that give of anything concerning Christ? How can we witness to the rest of the world if we look just like the rest of the world? So that's the call upon us. The proof of the empty tomb resides here in this room, resides in the life of believers. Transformed life is proof of the resurrection. Jesus said, you're the light of the world. 
city set on a hill can't hide its light. You are salt. You are light. We all know the song. We're not going to hide the light under a bushel. Will you be good light or will you be a bad light? Will you be salty or will you not be salty? You are salt. You're going to leave either a good taste that preserves society, that draws a thirst in people's lives for the things of the gospel, or you're not. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. By shining our light, our light is what here? That they may see your good works. Those which were prepared beforehand, that we would walk in them, from Ephesians 2.10. So what God is most pleased to use for his glory and the extension of his kingdom is not so much a great theological mind. It's a Christ-like life. It's a Christ-like life. You're going to witness in how you live. You're going to witness in what you say. And you're going to point people to Jesus Christ by how you live and what you say. And we can't be concerned about our own inadequacies. We can't be concerned that, that I don't have my presentation down. We need to be concerned, do I have my life down? Is my life at least pointing to Christ? It will not be perfect. Is it pointing to Christ? Am I witnessing in how I live and how I speak and how I care for others? Am I witnessing to Christ by that? Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we we come before you and, and we know we have this treasure that you have given us in these clay vessels. And we are nothing special. But Christ has come to live within us. The Holy Spirit dwells within us and enables us to live these things out. And by living these things out, we witness to the reality of who Jesus Christ is. We tell our story about what Christ has done. We can point them to the word and say, this is what he has done historically And then we can ask that question from Matthew. And who do you say Christ is? Who do you say Jesus is? Testimony of our lives will speak very loud, Lord. We pray that we are mindful. Mindful of of what we say and what we do. Mindful of our pursuit of righteousness and holiness mindful of what we bring into our lives and put into our minds and hearts so that what comes out of our mouths is a testimony to the reality of the miracle of salvation that Christ has done in our lives. Use for the feeble and the pitiful such as we are, Lord, to witness to the things of Jesus Christ. For it's in his name that we pray. Amen.